Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. And now that heart is beating fast And that's the rhythm I can dance to I'm mighty glad I've got a chance to That one big heart that's beating fast Tomorrow morning let it rain Tomorrow morning let it pour Tonight we're in the groove together Ain't gonna worry about Stormy weather Gonna kick all trouble Out the door Feel out all trouble and drunk well, 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 you are in trouble. It is Radical Australia. We've got a live guest, a real, live, breathing, heathen woman. <laughs> but we won't introduce her yet. We need to remember that this is Listener Subscription Drive. So if you want to be a listener sponsor and get involved in the Machiavellian machinations of 3CR, <laughs> become elected to the committee. Vote, decide what happens in Community Radio 3CR, or if you've got a bit of spare cash and you couldn't give, you know, Continental, well, ring now. And we need to get four people to subscribe in the next hour. 9419 8377. 9419 8377. $35 unwaged. $75 waged. And I have my card. No card. No start at Community Radio 3CR. That's the way it is. Now, we have a guest, but she's done the unforgivable. (laughs) Now, Kate Redmond-Brown, would you like to turn off your phone? I will. You don't have to turn it off. You can just make it. I know you're a very very important person. We know that. And you can't be without all your little devices for the next 55 minutes. Dale, <laughs> you wouldn't be so unprofessional. <laughs> now, we always blame the guests, Dale. That's a matter. <laughs> you know that. So, Her Right Royal Highness, Dale Bridge, the Empress Dowager, is with us. How art thou, Dale? I'm reasonable. I'm here. That's yeah, a yeah. start. Well, it's always good because mm. if you're not here, we don't have a program. It's that simple because you do all the work and I do all the farting around. Oh, I wouldn't go that far, but bless you. Yeah, you know, we have two types of people here at Kate, at 3CR. <laughs> we have draft horses, and that's 97% of the people here at 3CR do all the work. And then we have show ponies. Poses like you. Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, come on, speaking to the microphone, get a bit closer. It's all good. It's all good, is she? she you got her? Okay. Now, Kate, we asked two questions, and I'm sure you've listened to uh, Radical Australia in the past. But before I ask those two questions, I'm a little bit pissed off with you. Mm. Now, it's called, you are Kate Redman hyphen Brown. Yes, indeed. How did all that happen? Well, I was just Kate Brown. You were Kate Brown. <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought, and then I met a man called Redman. Right. And I thought, it sounds kind of good together. And he thought... <laughs> Redmond Brown sounded better than Brown Redmond. 
so much to his grandmother's disgust. That's how it ended up. And it does sound good. It is good. Mm-hmm. I'm it just, I'm good. jealous. Yeah. I am jealous. It has got well, a good ring to it. Well, Toscano's pretty good too. Oh, yeah. No. All it means is, if you're an Italian, all it means is that he who comes from Tuscany. Oh, yeah. So, uh, thought all as much. All, all the bad. One or two of you out there then. Well, it's if you true. go through the bloody phone book, if you do too it a many phone book, Toscano. there's over a hundred of them. Yeah, that's all it means. All the bad people used to leave Tuscany and, you know, try to hide in the rest of Italy. They'd go, he's a Tuscan. But this is about you, not me, Kate. Don't change the subject. (laughs) So now we know we've got a hyphenate. Brown's not really the type of name that kind of stands out, does it, when you're applying? Although there are some beautiful singers. There's a good Brown family who lived up the road from us. And uh, my sister is a musician too. So there's some good Browns out there. (laughs) I'm not all related Uh, to them all. Yeah, I'm not going to make the obvious pun. (laughs) Browns, cows. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Kate, just to orientate listeners, what year were you born? 1968. 68? The year of revolution. The year of revolution. Yes. Or European revolution. 68. You are a child of 68, and you're on Radical Australia. How perfect. You realise this is the 50th anniversary in May, will be the 50th anniversary of the Paris uprising. Mm. 50th anniversary. How things have gone backwards in the last 50 (laughs) years, and I blame people like you. You know, the children of the 68. We ruined everything. You weren't... So what... Look, just, just what month were you born in 68? July. Oh, so you were conceived before the, re- the revolution. <laughs> That's true. Jim. That's okay. You went to. Yeah. Now, Kate, what's the first thing you remember about being on planet Earth? Uh, the first thing I remember is being with my mum. She's hanging out washing. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting on the bricks in Paddington, yep. and there's a nice little hole in the brick that mm-hmm. catches dirt, so I can mix it up with a stick and make a little mud pot mm. in the brick mm. and there's moss and it's nice. It's that's, a good first memory. That's 70, 71, 71, 72, yeah. Oh, it's Paddington. probably earlier than yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Is, is Glebe far from Paddington? It is quite far. Is it? Oh, right. That's but why I can't remember. <laughs> my parents got divorced the year I was born. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Your parents got divorced the year you were born. Yes. So it was pretty hard to get divorced in 68. That was pretty yeah, well, It took a while. Oh. They didn't mind about it to take a long time. Yeah, it did take a long time. How many brothers and sisters did you have? I've got one sister who's older. Right. And they were having problems before I was conceived. And then so, what, my father was a philanderer. A philanderer. <laughs> he had an affair with his lab assistant. Sounds very the, familiar, doesn't The lab this? assistant's gloves were in... The, Glove box. Whoa! <laughs> so it was a giveaway, and my mum said, "See you later." <laughs> See you later. This is this is this is this is a, this is for very very twenty first century. There's another gentleman who's got a bit of a problem. <laughs> Luckily, he doesn't have anything in common with my father, except right. that. Uh, so that's probably the most. So what did your father do? Thing your, about the other gentleman. So what did your father do? <laughs> He's a mathematician. Oh, he's still around. He's still around, oh, yeah. We've got to be pleasant then. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But he's in Sydney. He's in Sydney, but, so but this program is podcast. True. 
Do you get on with your dad? I do get on with him. Oh, well, he'd find this amusing. He may find it very amusing. (laughs) (laughs) Now, so so a philandra, that's a very Mm. nice word, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, it's a good word. They don't use it anymore. You know, yeah, you're a phil- libertine. A libertine. That was the 50s and 60s. Philandra was more at the beginning of the 21st, 20th century. You're a philandra. Mm. You know? And then there was the serial philandra. The rake. The rake. <laughs> the problem is they all usually apply to men. Yeah. And the women get really unflattering names. That's right. Like slut. Mm. That's the one. Mm. Mm. Which my daughters assure me they have reinvented it. They've reinvented it. Yeah. In a positive light. Apparently. Yeah, it was the slut walk and all those (laughs) things. Yeah. 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 All right, well, that's interesting. You said daughters. How many daughters you've got? Two. Two. Now, now, Kate, look, I hate to be critical at this early stage of the interview because we're going to be locked in here for the next 50 minutes, but. uh, there's no point holding up your fingers. Doing you hand gestures. <laughs> <laughs> I could just precursor picking my nose. That's right. But yeah, two lovely, gorgeous daughters. Yeah, we'll get back to that. We'll get back to that. <laughs> That's pretty hard for your mum, having two kids, one little kid under one and divorced. Because mm. there wasn't any uh, single parents benefits before. Uh, there were some, but not much for single mothers. That's true, but my dad was a decent bloke. He was decent, right. Well, yeah. I'm glad you said that as he's listening. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and so he did the right thing. He, he did the right thing. Right. And although she bought the house from him over time, mm. she was a school teacher too, so a, a um, casual school teacher. Mm. So it was good for parenting. Mm. Mm. She did. So Not is your mum still alive? Yeah, she is. She's in great shape. What's her first name? Louise. Louise. That is an interesting name, isn't it? And were they both born in Australia? or? No, my dad's a 10-pound pom. Oh, well, no wonder he was a philandra. <laughs> <laughs> you know, those, those shipboard romances, they were real. I was talking to a um, the wife of a patient of mine who's now 80 and he died. And she confessed, he died a few years ago, and she was confessed to me, I don't know why, to me, you know, we've got that type of face, that she had a shipboard romance <gasps> on the way. Scandalous. Scandalous, yes. I mean, she's putting it in an autobiography, which and she's did writing. Did she conceive a child? No, no. She, no. <laughs> Not that I know. I didn't, look, between you and me, Kate, I wasn't that interested. Oh. <laughs> but she was telling me it's going to be the highlight of her book, and obviously when her straight-laced family reads it, they'll go, oh. Yeah. I assume your life's a bit like that, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. So that means you stayed in Paddington all the time, did you? Mm. So what was the house like? It was back then when my mum bought it, Mm. it, or when my parents bought it, it was $12,000. Right, yep. And it was... A traditional Paddington Terrace. Yep. Double story. Double story. Yeah. Pretty good. And so it's obviously grown amazingly in value. Mm. Um, but there was also a really down and out suburb back then. There was That's right. The street, Rush Street, was lots of Garbo men lived yeah, with well, their families. Yeah, and I went to a really good school opened by Gough Whitlam. Very on, lefty hang on, primary hang school. Hang on. Jumping ahead there. You're jumping ahead. We've got to fill in this time. Unless you've done something remarkable in your life, I've got to just take an easy. (laughs) 
Well, that's an interesting bit. I'm sure you already told us that. You call your old man a philanderer. Well, your father a philanderer. Wow. Your mother's the wrong woman. You told us about the gloves. It's in the gloves. You know, that's right. This is this is this is just goes on and on. They had been married for ten years. Ten years. Mm. So what you're going to bring them by the time I was born? Uh, It is very sad, really. It is. We make light of it, but uh, kind of. My parents. They're much happier. Yeah. Not together. They're totally different. Yeah. Completely yeah. different. Yeah, but you know what love's like. Love, yeah. <laughs> if you could see Kate's face when I <laughs> mentioned the L it is St. Valentine's Day, so we do need to, mm. you know, concentrate on your uh, romantic uh, escapades. I said, no, no, can't do this. <laughs> Yeah. We're not that interested, Kate, to be honest. <laughs> I don't think oh, Dale sure. is either. All the listeners, yeah, yeah, because you're radical bent. All right, so you went to this radical primary school. Yeah. And what was it called? Wallara Demonstration School. What, did you, they, did you learn to demonstrate? <laughs> well, it was a big, it was a practice school, I suppose. What do you mean practice? I not don't a know, real teachers learnt new sort of up-and-coming concepts of education. So you're a guinea pig, basically. basically. A child guinea pig. Yeah. Well, but it was very idyllic. I loved primary school. What do you mean idyllic? Tell us about it. Well, it, it was. I think it was one of the first schools to have those multi-age classrooms and oh, right. that sort of caper. And what else? And it probably was the first school to have a massive mural painted on the wall of a sort of quadrangle. A mural? Surrounds, yeah. What was on the mural? A landscape, beautiful, rocky... Australian landscape. That Whitlam Labor government's got a lot to answer for, you know. No fault divorce. Mm. Having librarians on the paid staff. Librarians. And art teachers. Single parent benefits, legal aid centres. It just goes on and on. And now, (laughs) you know, community radio stations without... Whitlam Labor government, there'd be no community radio stations. It was a, an effort to break the monopoly that the media had, the mass media had, the corporate media had. And now... They are indoctrinating the children. Mm. So, did you excel at anything in primary school? Mm, I excelled at art. Art. Yeah. Well, that's to be expected, isn't it? What type of art? Uh, painting and drawing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I even won a prize. In primary school, and you remember? Yeah. What did you win? I won a painting prize. And I won a drawing prize in high school. Yeah, we haven't got the. <laughs> <laughs> but I did love art. But I, I'm a very social being, so I loved my fellow girlfriends, and I loved the whole social thing uh-huh. of primary school. So, what, what did you paint? Uh, mainly animals and people. People. Yeah. That's pretty precocious. Are you painting people at your age in primary school? Yeah. yeah. You reckon you've got an eye for it? Oh, a bit. I'm no great artist. No. That's for sure. All right. So, and I assume you're a great sportswoman. <laughs> Why the hell do you assume that? But I was good at sprinting. Ah, But yeah. my mum just was, wasn't encouraging of it. What do you mean? She, you could have been the next Olympian. You could have well, been the next Betty Cuthbert. What happened? No. Nah, well, we, <laughs> we didn't have a car. And when I got into the next level on from the sports carnival... With the hang on, next hang bit on. on was a bit too far away, so I didn't go. She didn't take you to the regional? No. 
It was too far. That's child abuse. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't that interested in it. Mm, but sh- distance, short distances, middle distances. Sprinting. Sprinting, yeah. You've got the body of a sprinter. Lank and mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, they can't see it, so I've got to... You've got to embellish. Well, I'm not embellishing them. You just look mean and you're lanky. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's <laughs> just true. Just not embellishing. All right, so you leave this demonstration school. Yeah. Or, you know, set up by the Whitlam Labor government to indoctrinate little children into mm. the ways of radicalism. So where did you go after that? I went to Sydney Girls High. So I assume that was an elite school? It was, it was yeah. yeah. But it's a public school. Yeah. Yeah, it was government-run school. Yeah. So how did you get to Sydney Girls High, a little girl from Paddington? Because my sister was really clever and they had a <laughs> fostering <laughs> sister rule, which was good. And there was, I didn't like high school much, but it was a great school. It was in an old zoo, and they had the girls' school on one end and the boys' school at the other end. In the zoo? In the zoo. And so the the playground was in like, it was kind of like a volcano shape, uh-huh. and the tough, surfy oh, that'd have been the period, asses yeah. yes. hung out at the bear pit. The bear pits. Yeah. The bear pit. Yeah. And what, the girls and the boys would intermingle in the bear pit? Fraternise at the bear pit. (laughs) So you had the Sydney girls high and the Sydney boys high. Yeah. And And already then there was a real disparity between the girls' canteen and the boys' canteen. What do you mean? It was unfair. The boys got all the iced donuts and really bad, good junk food. Yeah, yeah. The girls got healthy things. Salad rolls and Vegemite sandwiches. Well, that's because you're going to be the future mothers of the world. (laughs) (laughs) What about the bat genetics for the dads? We don't care about that. (laughs) You should have been glad that you got the Vegemite sandwich, the salad roll, and I got the lollies, the pies, the chips. No. No? No? No. No. You know, it really hasn't changed life much. I was Mm. was sitting in a, a restaurant, I won't name where, and... And I was watching this family mm. interacting, and I noticed this eight or nine-year-old girl goes down to the um, where the uh, cooks are and comes back with a glass of iced water to give to her five-year-old brother mm-hmm. who's playing on his little computer screen, <laughs> iPad. I'm thinking, things really haven't changed, have they? Us boys are always more important, aren't we? In your own mind. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. You know, like this morning I was discussing, it doesn't matter how many female executives you have, unless you radicalise the whole world, it's not going to change. True. All right, so you finished high school. Mm-hmm. Were you brilliant at anything? Yeah. Apart from your drawing prize? Not really. No. <laughs> no nothing at all? Not brilliant at it, No. Well, you passed. Yeah, I was interested in lots of things, like but what? not brilliant in anything. But, but what were you interested in? I was very interested in herbal medicine. What, at high school? And actually body work. Like body work? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can remember giving my girlfriends massages and I don't know, I was just was interested in it. Then I had a grandmother who was a very good cook and interested in... Medicinal herbs. And really? it just all fascinated me, alternative medicine. Is it medicine a grandmother there. on your mother's side or your father's mother's side? Mother's side. 
So was she a traditional witch, was she? Uh, well, she was actually in radio. On radio? Mm-hmm. Doing herbal medicine? No, not doing herbal medicine, but she was a radio personality a near Warhope yeah. Way. What was her and, name? And, you know, there were no women in that sort of industry. What was her name? Then. Ray Young. Well, it sounds like a man anyway. Heather Ray Young. Oh, Heather. <laughs> right. But she never hated Heather. And Ray was spelled R-A-E. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And she was... Uh, on commercial radio. Mm, I'm not really sure. And what did she spruik about? <laughs> well, I don't know. I just know that she worked in radio, which uh, was unusual for women in those days, I mean. Well, would have been, yeah. yeah. Well, she may have survived the Second World War where there was a shortage of workers and we had to kind of say to the women, please help us with the war effort. True, but uh, she was a fascinating, inspiring woman. So did you spend much time with her? I spent a lot of time with her every holidays and she was fascinating. She wore a black wedding dress. She wore a black wedding dress. She knew she... What, when she got married in the 30s or 40s? Yeah, so she was outrageously ahead of her time. And I can see Dale's getting a bit excited there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Not about it, in the 50s or 40s, a black wedding dress. Yeah, it yeah. was pretty outrageous. Have you got any photos of her? In no, black wedding dress? because no. she had floods and fires and uh, there's not got many photos. God was not pleased. No, she and was not pleased. she got divorced too. <laughs> I come from a, fi- a long string of divorced women. But was her husband a philanderer? Yes. <laughs> she busted him bonking someone under the house. Under the house? Yes, unceremoniously. <laughs> but then they stayed together forever, so All right. they loved each other's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. So what did, you, what did you do when you left high school? I moved away, but too young. To where? Well, I left my mum's house when I was 13, moved in with my dad. Right. Why did you do that? Because I wasn't getting on with my mum. It's a very so, common so, story. So this is a second kick in the gut to your mum, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. First of all, her husband's a philanderer. Then her 13-year-old daughter is full of hormones. Says, "That's I'm right. I'm going to go and live with I'm Dad. I'm going." Yeah. And yeah, I realise now, as an older woman, right. how much that would have crushed her. But I felt like there was no room for me to grow, so I left. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, because then I lived with my dad in Annandale, which is near Glebe, mm-hmm. and he had he was two sixties. He wanted to be my friend instead of a dad, and he oh. let me get away with enormous amount of crap. Like mm, what? Oh well, like. Well, that's why you moved here at thirteen. <laughs> Come on, let's be realistic. You knew he yes. wasn't that interested. Yeah, no, that's why I moved there. But it was a long way to go to high school, Mm. commuting on PT. It wasn't that far, but it wasn't ideal. And then he always had borders, Mm. which suited his philandering ways. But then I... (laughs) I encouraged him to let this other... This man I was interested in move in. How old were you? 16, maybe. 16. So Mm. your dad's got... Borders. You've got your eye on this bloke. Who needs somewhere to live. Right. How old is this bloke? 24. 24. What right. a bad parenting decision that was. 
Well, not really. <laughs> he didn't expect you to move in in the same room, did he? Oh, well, I'd probably not, but that was... <laughs> and it became apparent that that was happening. I just... I wish that he would have... Anyway, it went on for a while. Mm. And that's why I moved to Melbourne. What year Because he that? turned into a control freak, violent person. Who's this? The, the boyfriend? Yeah. So, I can't remember but, 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 what but, year but, it was. Hang on. When did, how old were you when you left high school? 18. 18. Did you do any type of work or did you go to... I did lots of different jobs. Like what? Job. Well, my first job was... Deli- well, my first job was before I left my yep. mum's house. Yep. Delivering... Uh, pharmaceutical drugs to old people mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I had a long consecutive goes at working in cake shops which was brilliant mm-hmm. and then no, I just got waitressing work really right, right. so how long did this um, violent relationship last for? it wasn't always that way no no it never is No, it never is there are good days and bad days mm. Mm, there's forgiveness but it went on for a while yeah and did you when did you re- realise it's not Healthy. Probably two years in. Mm. Mm. And my dad didn't, you know, he punched me and my dad didn't make him move out. So I thought, thought, buggy you, I've got to leave then, I'll go to Melbourne. Mm. I had a girlfriend here from primary school. Right. And I packed up and left. Mm. Were you chased? Nope. Good, lucky. Lucky indeed. Very lucky. But I was very poor and... Yeah, because I think then you got $50 a week from the government as mm. a student allowance, yep. maybe. Mm. So I, you know, it was tough times financially. I enrolled in uh, massage school, remedial massage school, and then she had to college in Melbourne. She had to college. Yep. We Which had just to college. Yeah. Just started in in Collingwood, actually. Oh no, Fitzroy. It was Fitzroy. on the Fitzroy side of Smith Street. Yeah, it's like 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 three CR. We don't actually want to associate with the people across the road. Yeah, that's Collingwood. <laughs> disgusting, disgusting, filthy right. suburb. We we live in Fitzroy. The great thing I love about Radio Fine is when we have Radio Fine, we get money for well for the programs. Ones I don't know, I don't know about my own programs. You know, from all over Melbourne, but never anything from Fitzroy. It's quite funny. Ah. And they tell me, well, they have trouble receiving the station. I think, oh, yeah, bullshit. That's baloney. Yeah, they're all gentrified. That's the problem. Yeah. Now, well, 96%. <laughs> now, you used a funny word. What was that funny word again? Yeah, yeah. Well, she. Shiatsu. Shiatsu. Yeah. You went to. What year was this? I can't even remember. 91, I graduated 91. from there, so 90. So 90. So mm. what is shiatsu? <laughs> Sounds like a disease. No, it's not. It's what? a very good form of remedial body work, Japanese. Right. Done on the floor on a futon. So it's good for the doer of it because you don't have to use your muscles. You can use your body weight and it's, it's a wonderful technique. So I've been doing that since I graduated. What, for 25, 30 years you've yep. been doing it? Yep. That's extraordinary. It we'll talk is. about that in a minute. Look, it's 4.29. This is 3CR. This is Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR. Streaming live on 3cr.org.au. This program is podcast. My name's Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting the program. I'm being the show pony. Uh, Dale Bridge is doing all the hard work. She's been the uh, draft horse. 
And I don't know what Kate is, but she's the person we're interviewing. What do you reckon? You're a show pony <laughs> or a draft horse? Well, you've got to wear different hats for different purposes. Well, for the purpose now, what do you reckon? Oh, oh I don't know. I'm not labelled. I'm unable to be labelled in this category. Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> Thank you, Dale. Yeah. Thank you, Dale. She's the arbitrator of all disputes, <laughs> and we never argue. Dale, never. Very good. I learned that many years ago. Do not argue. You have your little drink of water if you're getting dry, there, Thank young you. Kate. You know, there she is. She's taking the glass to her lips, mm. and she's delicately drinking she's the swallowing. water. Swallowing. Swallowing. <laughs> well, we need to give them a you know visual Lovely. picture. You've been an artist, you know, don't you? <laughs> All right. So, 91, you graduate. Mm-hmm. Um, had you been involved in any political action before that time? Yeah, I used to leaflet for the Labor Party when I was a kid with my mum. Well, that's child abuse, but go. But there's there's other, there's sort of, I went to a few demonstrations in Sydney. And in Melbourne, kept it up, Mm -hmm. anti-nuke things. Right. Um, This is when you're a young person. Yeah. Yeah, so always part of the progressive, progressive movement, you'd say. I think so, yeah. You think so. Yeah, well, you wouldn't be here in Radical Australia if you weren't. True. Well, unless you may have snuck in. And I loved the I loved the headmistress at my girls' primary school for her radicalness. What did she do? She was just very up with the times and against mm-hmm. NAPLAN things and mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. kind of independent. Mm-hmm. Woman and so very inspiring. How was she inspiring? She was just clever and articulate and mm. constantly informing others. And yeah, she was just very, very interesting. Yeah, that's the type of woman that should have been kept back in the kitchen, isn't it? Barefoot <laughs> and pregnant. You know, if we listen to some of our lads these days, they were the good old days, they tell me. <laughs> Whatever, Joe, whatever. You're quite right. There's some extraordinary individuals in the 60s and 70s, Mm. men and women, and more women than men during that period, who really were able to throw off those cultural inhibitions which had been... Trailblazers. Yep, yep. They're very good. And they interviewed and corrupted people like you, and that was their Mm. job. Bloody Whitlam Labor government. They've got a lot to answer for, (laughs) making you into a radical. (laughs) All right. So how did your life kind of pan out in Melbourne? You, you, you're out there, you're shiatsuing. Is that what you say? Do you shiatsu? <laughs> yeah, you do say shiatsuing, I suppose. But <laughs> I, a bit like I had a, I've had a fortunate time with that because one of my teachers employed me in his clinic uh-huh. when I, so I had a job straight out of school. Well, you could see that you were actually passionate about it. That's right. Mm. So and how do you help people? I mean, it's a fancy name. I don't think a lot of people understand what you actually do and what it does for people. What type of, I assume you've, you know, you've been a practitioner now for over 30 years. Mm-hmm. So what do you actually do? Do. Well, it's a remedial form of body work. So if you've ever had a remedial massage or if you've ever been to a good physio or you've had anything, any prescribed any exercises that... Uh, help you function better. Mm. And Shiatsu is like the physio of Japan. It moves blood and chi. What's chi? Chi is like the body's energy. 
Mm-hmm. And probably most people are familiar with the term. And I, I, I think it is incredibly relaxing because that's what also attracted me to it. The kind of amazing mental state you got in when you received a treatment. So I received a treatment and that really blew my mind actually because it just seems incredibly <laughs> relaxing but incredibly strong too. So I probably had a treatment when I, before I enrolled. That's how I discovered it. I was at remedial massage school mm-hmm. with the intention of learning herbal medicine so I thought I could do massage as a to earn money while I did that. So that's what I did. But what do you actually do to people? Well, you, just, you can't really... It's well, like saying, what is a colour? Describe yeah, well, the colour red. Hang on, hang on, I'm not get, you're not, not going to get away with that. You're, you're, you're going to get away. You're a practitioner for years. <laughs> I come in, I've got a sore neck, a sore back, and sore shoulders. What are you going to do to me? That's different to a physio or... You know, a remedial massage. You've got a little title. Mm. You're a shiatsu practitioner. Mm-hmm. So, what's what is different? Just the way in which I work and yeah. discover how your body actually feels. Because you might be experiencing sensations in your body that I have. I'll have a different experience of, the, of your body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I just tend to manipulate you and discover what your uh, your limitations are. Right, right. And uh, I assume you use incense oils and uh, get people to take off all their clothes? No. No. They stay modest. Modest. They wear loose, comfortable cotton, generally clothing, Mm -hmm. something loose and comfortable. So that's what you say, come in for your own clothes. You don't provide towels. No, 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 and no one gets all gross and oily. <laughs> right, I, I like this. <laughs> so I, it, I've done a fair bit of corporate shiatsu too, where you go in, you go into corporate the work shiatsu. Site. That's is right. This, is this, a, is this, you know, oxymoron? No, you go into the work. Like I, Lonely Planet was one of my corporate gigs, and I'd go in there shiatsu the staff. <laughs> yes, and they all had com- from working at a staff? computer. Have any staff? Well, at that time they were very, they were big. They maybe had oh, a, th- a thousand employees at that. Well, you do a thousand employees a day. No, but <laughs> I'd get booked out very quick, uh-huh. and I still have clients from Lonely Planet days. Uh-huh. They're very loyal. They're loyal. Maybe they're yeah. simple, but they're loyal. <laughs> well, they're a bit young. They're a bit younger than me often, uh-huh. and they realised the yucky ways that sitting at a computer did to your body mm-hmm. so they appreciated so obviously it's something that work. it is something that works and is uh, is useful and it seems to be um you don't you don't walk over people do you no <laughs> although you can do that <laughs> you can't do that that's right and yeah. i did encourage my children to do that to me because when you're about what, eight walk years over old you. Yeah, it's really fa- it feels great. Oh, oh, all right. You just mentioned the word children. Where, where do they come from? Where do that fits into your life? What happened? <laughs> well, well. Oh, I don't want to know the gory details. That you met somebody, Mr. Redmond, did you? That's right. Yeah. Uh, uh. And I think I was attracted to him because he was so um, square. <laughs> 
I'd never met someone I'd been attracted to who was so square. You mean he was just boring? Well, I wouldn't have said that, but he was just so square. And I thought, oh, it's relaxing. Um. So this is opposites. You're going down <laughs> the same right. path your mother went down and your grandma. Maybe. No, I'm not, because my grandmother married an alcoholic right. who was violent. Right. And my mum just was bored. My dad was a bit boring and philandering, so mm-hmm. I didn't do that. So this gentleman wasn't square shape, he was just square. He was just he was so ordinary. conservative. Yeah. Oh my God, he was What, did so you think you were going to reform him? I did, actually. <laughs> I thought it was a good sign that he wouldn't, didn't mind the redmond before the brown. His grandmother was horrified at that. Look, uh, I don't know how I'm going to approach this. Um, I shouldn't really ask this question on air. Mm. You weren't flirty fishing for the children of God, were you? Children of God? Yeah. What's that mean? I don't even know what that means, Joe. Well, there was a, there was this religious sect, cult, mm-hmm. in the uh, 70s. In around, Melbourne? Oh, yeah. Called the family? Fr- no, no, not the family. Oh. He said, I think they were called the children of God. I could be incorrect. No, he wasn't one of those. And, and, no, no, but I'm saying, were you a member? Because they're... They would actually have a, you know, like the Mormons go out and knock on doors. Mm-hmm. Well, they'd send their women out to do flirty fishing. Really? To bring in men into the new, new, new converts. They're corrupt. Yeah, but they, 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 they'd actually, yeah, corrupt young men, especially square young men. So you, oh. you weren't part of that movement. No. no it's just your personal. <laughs> That's uh, right. All right. Yeah. Okay. I, I assumed you Look, I know it's not my business, but uh, <laughs> I assume the marriage, you kind of, True to form, it didn't last? Well, it lasted a long time. Well, that's good. I'm very pleased. Yeah. Almost 20 years. Oh, 20 years. I thought that was a good innings. Oh, but I had the intention to kind of <laughs> break the mould. Of I, I wanted it. I wanted people to see that relationships could work long term. Right. <laughs> Obviously, I wasn't the one to do it. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, well, some relationships work long term. You just close they your do. eyes and fall asleep. That's right. <laughs> That's the way you cope. Yeah. So, what type of um, political activity do you involve your poor husband in to break the mould? Well, we were, we both had a bit of an interest in in environmentalism, mm. and he. Um, he had some good ideas and we did okay. some good things together. Like we were involved in local clean-ups. And right. He had a business. Um, he was good at uh, script writing, not script writing, um, computer yep. programming. programming. So he wrote a lot of environmental information, branded it like for the council, right. and the council got it for their constituents. So he had a business doing that, mm. which was pretty good. Mm. And he's, you know, he's had passions in areas that I was interested in. Mm. Like, what are your passions? What areas were you interested in? Well, I was really interested in the environmental stuff and the gardening stuff, the propagation of food. Propagation of food, that's a yeah. big word. Does that mean growing I think things? I'm more interested <laughs> in it now, maybe, than he is, maybe. But we always were interested in that. But he, I found that uh, we weren't collaborators as such. No, two individuals. We found common ground. We had a lot of film taste that was similar, and we loved mm. seeing films together. But mm. yeah, 
I'm not going to pursue this because it's your <laughs> business. No, there's just been too much of this private stuff on air the last few weeks. It's getting to me. That's the good stuff. That's the good stuff. I don't want to hear about the bad stuff, especially when people are still alive. I did forget to tell you something I was what? really wanting to talk about. What's that? And that's the fact that I've got MS. Excuse me. You've I've, got I've got multiple sclerosis. You've got multiple sclerosis. And I was diagnosed with it in Shiatsu school. What, in 1991? Yep. So, so a long how, time what, ago. What, what happened? How, how, how was that diagnosed? Well, one time I caught a bus to Sydney. Mm-hmm. And then when I got to Sydney, I had like a feeling of wearing stockings. So I was numb from the waist down, the belly button down. And I felt like I was just wearing things on my skin and it was a bit like walking walking through water too there was a bit of resistance there and so yes I was diagnosed then by this guy who had a big bushy grey beard (laughs) and he was a neurologist who looked so unwell he looked like he was going to die the next day so I just didn't trust anything he was telling me (laughs) So you've got 1920? Yep. And, and he recommended that I go on an aggressive course of steroids, mm-hmm. which at that time I was all interested in yep. reading about the side effects of Western medicine. Oh, God. Yeah. And I just thought, are you are you joking? I'm not going to do that. I read about it. I was too vain to do that because the yeah. side effects are right. so did you, bad. So did, the, did you get intermittent attacks? Yep. For did, quite a while. And did they get worse and worse? They did, and then each time I would not come back from them as good mm-hmm. until I went to the Ian Gawler Centre mm-hmm. and did one of his programs. Which program did you do? It was one, he was he teamed up with a guy called George Jelnick, mm-hmm. who's got MS himself and was diagnosed later, 40-year-old mm-hmm. man, much worse prognosis than me. He did a lot of research for his own benefit, and found this test that had been done in the 40s or 50s by a guy called Swank. Jelnick mm. <laughs> and Swank. <laughs> and, um, of course, it wasn't... Um, Peer-reviewed. Yes. So what Swank did was put this mob of people, about 70 people with MS, on a diet very low in saturated fat, mm-hmm. which basically means you're a fish-eating vegan. Right. And But he didn't do anything else like boost people's vitamin D or, you know, like introduce any sort of nutritious mm. things. So when I went to the Gawler Centre, he teamed up with gel neck and they were having this MS program Mm. and it was like it was very fascinating for me and so I could really uh, embrace it in a big way what's the worst you've been in terms of physical um, limitations the worst I've been was when I trialed interferon for a year Mm. I felt like I was going to die Mm-hmm. I had to enlist my neighbours to take the children to school because I couldn't get out of bed. Mm-hmm. And it was very depressing and it, I cried a lot. But mm-hmm. I, was, I had a lot of family pressure saying, you've got to do something, you've got these two girls, you've got to do something. Hang on, hang on, hang on. You've got two girls. Where, mm-hmm. Where's Mr. Redmond? Oh, he's around. All right. And I don't think he ever really 
accepted that I had MS. Mm. So he used to get very angry when I couldn't drive, for mm. instance. Mm. Well, denial is a good way of going. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, so I, I did trial this drug to sort of see if I could beat it. But really what Gawler and Jelnick were saying seemed good ways to me. And the stats on that uncontrolled group that Jelnick mm. had discovered mm. were brilliant. So I thought, I'm going to do that. I'm going to just uh, control what I eat. And it's kept what, me... What, I, I what, year, what year was that? Um, probably um, 90... Eight? Ninety-eight. Yeah, maybe. So, so, so since ninety-eight, you've been on this. Yep. Yeah. Regime. And what it did do was stop the fluctuating things, right. so I don't get any mm-hmm. fluctuations of it. I do get. I have got a bit of a limp, as you probably mm-hmm. noticed. That yeah. gets worse if I have to walk uphill, or worse in the heat. Right. So, mm. you know, you can tell, but. Mm. I'm pretty good. I'm in good form. Mm. Any visual disturbances? No. Very lucky then. Very, very lucky. Mm. Mm. People have said some odd things. People say some strange things to me because I've got that bit of a limp. They get very self-righteous and accusery. What? What? Once I was walking across the road when the green man was on, of course, and um, this guy said... This was like 10 a.m. in the morning. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. said, it's a bit early to drink. Oh, ah, that's right. Yeah. And I just thought, I was like shocked. I did get really upset actually yeah, because yeah. I thought I was faking not having him in. Mm. And, um, yeah. Well, you've got, a, you've got one of those huge issues that you've got a disability without any profound physical manifestations of that disability. Mm. And it's a real issue. There is a new program here at 3CR that explores that, which is done, I think it's once a month. Um, uh, Maurice and another gentleman are doing it because you're quite right. People get very, very sanctimonious about things, yeah, don't they? Because they, they think do. they can't see if your leg's chopped off. There's some, you know, you, it must be a wino. Yeah, or putting it on. <laughs> That's right. Because yeah. you've got that gait, because I was just look, watching the way you were walking into the studio, you've got that gait mm. that makes you look like you've had a bit, a bit too easier. much to drink. So when I have a glass of wine, right. it's much worse. So right. I, as, a, as a result of that, I'm a bit of a teetotaler wowser because yeah. I just can't. Or a fish, fish-eating vegan teetotal whales. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Wow. She had two therapists. She had two therapists. A, a fan of anarchist. What do you mean you're a fan of anarchists? Oh, well. Well, what, 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 what do you find interesting about anarchism? Oh, I just found your show pretty interesting. Really? Yeah. Oh. Have you joined public interest before? Oh, I have. It's an opener. <laughs> well, but hang on, hang on. I'm going, I can't remember your membership. That's because it's in my bag in a yellow envelope. Well, would you like to hand it over? Yes. Oops. Whoa. Oops. Don't fall out. No. Don't. Here we go. Look, I, I don't believe this. This is the first new membership we've had in a fortnight. And also, I've got. I'm trying to recruit my daughters. Your daughters. Mm. Mm. But I think you should bring those forms to the meetings, Joe, because I have. I am tonight. That's good, because there isn't someone new coming along with Nick. Ah, are you on the electoral roll? I am. I can't believe you're coming to the Congress on the third of March. I'd like to. Well, have you got your invitation yet? 
No, because you're not a member. No, but I'm now you are. Soon. <laughs> you are a member. You get a little card in the mail and mm-hmm. your invitation. Very good. Saturday, the third of March, ten a.m. to four p.m. at the Unitarian Church, hundred and ten oh. Gray Street. And I went down there to check on the booking. I did book the right day. Very and, good. And she said to me, you're very lucky, you know, somebody else wanted the 3rd of March. And I said, well, bad luck. We've got it. Mm. All right, well, thank you very much. So what, what, what attracts you to anarchism? Uh, well, I just hate the way all the public assets have been flogged off. And also now I'm an avid user of public transport. That's really gone down a shit shoot. But they tell me it's all good now. You just no, it's not good. It's bad. <laughs> What's bad about it? Well, it's not really a good service anymore. Mm. But you and that's why I'm limping about today, actually. I'm limping about because I wanted to take my daughter to the dentist. Mm-hmm. First time she's met this dental mob, and you know how yeah, scary yeah. that can be. So we couldn't get the train because the tra- so a tree had blown on the... <laughs> Well, you can't blame, well, I can't blame them for that. Act of God, act of God. That's true. But anyway, I, I had to walk a lot, so that's why I'm limping about. You didn't stop at the pub on the way in? <laughs> no, I didn't, unfortunately, for a shandy, no. <laughs> All right, okay. So have you got any... Are you actually able to pursue a full-time career in Shiatsu with, with, with the MS? Well, I have had quite an active busy career with it mm. well and raising children mm. and yeah it's been quite good but then the clinic where I was working the people retired and I just work from home now and that's certainly a much more manageable way mm. to work because mm. I get to you know eat when I want to eat and control my temperature with MS's aggravated in heat for me mm. so oh yeah Working in a non-air-conditioned clinic in Collingwood mm-hmm. played havoc a bit with my but ability to treat. It seems to be a very physical... It is quite physical. And, and you've got MS, which makes you lethargic and tired. Well, no, I don't no. suffer from that much. You don't get time. that much, no. Well, that's good. No. And I also do a fair bit of physical maintenance, like I do a lot of stretching and mm-hmm. strength work, despite my... Mm. We'll see Appearance. Mm, mm. I am quite strong. I can't imagine you are. <laughs> are you a? Do you go to a shiatsu therapist? For <laughs> what is that? <laughs> yeah. Do I go to one? Yeah, yeah. 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 It's funny, you know. When I go to my doctor, it's so funny. It's hilarious. Because I thought I'd pick a doctor who's going to outlive me, because I didn't, mm. didn't want to, you know, change doctors. You know, yeah. Being self-centered. It's hard to find a good one. Oh, I found a good one. She's very good. She's, I think she's 40, mother of four, you know, all that stuff. And she looks at me last time I was there and she says, Joe? No, no she, she doesn't call me Joe because I'm the scene. She says, Dr. Toscano, it's very formal, and she says, um, do you know you've got 10 indicators of cardiac disease and you're doing nothing about it? And I said, Dr., you're wrong. I've only got nine. I don't smoke. Very good. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> and we all broke out laughing. Yeah. So what is it like when you go to a, a therapist? I mean, you're a senior practitioner. You've been in Shiatsu for 30 years. Do you mm. kind of um, assess them when they're doing therapy on you? Not really. You don't. I you try just... and have an open mind because sometimes students treat me too for their 
examine. part of their examination and right. Right. try and give them constructive criticism. It's very hard, isn't it, to actually be on the receiving end when you've been doing something for so long. Yeah, well, but it's I essential. Don't find it. it is essential, yeah. It's essential. Mm. So these daughters of yours, are they giving you any trouble? <laughs> well, I think you know the answer to that. But they're, no, they're pretty good at We have a great relationship at the moment. Right, so none of them have got a 24-year-old man wanting to use the spare bedroom in your house? No. <laughs> no, and only one of them lives with me at the moment. And they, they both seem happy and good-tempered. What's it like coping with a chronic disability and trying to raise two children part of that time on your own? Well, as I said before, I did rely on the neighbours a bit, Mm -hmm. actually, in primary school. That's before I went on the gel neck plan. And they were fantastic. I had a wonderful neighbour, one in particular, but I had a really good community, so that really made things copable. Did you just use the C word? Community. Community, outrageous. Does it exist? Yeah, it does. Maybe that's the other thing that attracts you to anarchism, the fact that it is based on the concept of community. True. Mm. Have you got any plans for the future apart from staying alive? My apologies. Mm. No, not really. Mm. No plans? Well, only to just be a bit more politically active and Mm. to... I don't really have... No, I've been always bad at... You know, planning things like oh, that. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> Crap at that. I said, we don't need to have true confessions. We'll leave that to Barnaby. Yeah. So we don't and also, the square, that, the square hubby, ex-hubby was big on that. Five, two-year plan, five-year plan, ten-year plan. I just thought, he wasn't, oh, a, he wasn't a member of the please. Communist Party, was he? That's the, that's, you know, that, that would have central, been more interesting. Well, no, 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 that's central planning. Is it? It's not very interesting, not at all. Right. So what type of things do you want to do politically? Well, I I don't know really, but I really want housing to be more affordable. I've got a lot of single girlfriends who pay exorbitant rent and who need some sort of safety. And also, I think it's just so important for your mental health. So I know a lot of people who are a bit fragile and... It would be so much better for the whole Australian community to have a bit more. Well, it would be nice to have housing as something over your head, not an investment strategy. That's right. Yeah, it's just, just horrendous at the minute and uh, everybody seems to lap it up. You know, you said your parents bought their house for $12,000 double mm. story in Paddington. Yeah. You know, in the 60s. Um, it would take seven years for an average wage earner family on with one average wage earner to pay out a mortgage in the 60s, seven years, yeah. and now we have intergenerational mortgages. Yeah. So when you die, you don't leave the kids the house, you leave them the mortgage. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's what happens. It's a sad state of affairs. It is very sad. And as you said, and uh, single women, are they going to be the ones who are going to be really at the receiving end because they don't have the super, as you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, they usually yeah. f- lose out in the divorce settlement because the hubby keeps the super. Well, not anymore. I know, but they kind of Used do to. things. They do things. They squirrel things away. Yes. 
Uh, yeah, that's true, yeah. Mm, mm. So you're quite right, it's going to be a big issue. And uh, it's interesting that in the old days, you know, it was single men with major drug problems were homeless and now there's yeah. a lot of women who are homeless, not just Absolutely. elderly women. But uh, Well, housing is important. I'm sure there's a lot of activities you can get involved in, Kate. Now, thank you for coming to the studio on Radical Australia. Our hour is up. Hopefully we won't receive any uh, writs. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, I hope your father doesn't listen to this. I don't think he does, although he's retired and he may. He may. You know, it is on a podcast. <laughs> if you can access the podcast by going to freecr.org.au. Well, thank you very much. And, and uh, more importantly, I'd like to thank you on behalf of the community of human beings for making uh, so much of your life. Uh, especially having a chronic uh, illness. MS is no laughing matter. It affects tens of thousands of people in this country and it is very hard uh, to manage and I'm pleased that you found a way to manage it. Mm. So congratulations on rearing two young girls who are now young women and uh, hopefully you can keep stomping on people for the next 20 years. Yay, (laughs) all right. (laughs) Thank you very much, Dale. Thank you very much, 3CR. Tune in, dig deep. 